Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Your being here is a great encouragement to us. If you will, open your Bibles to Luke, the 11th chapter. Luke, the 11th chapter. In just a few minutes, we'll be studying from there. We are glad to have Laura Ward and Wayne Scott with us this evening. Uh, they were also at the Foundations, which is a training for our high school youth that are coming in for extra training and leadership, and we appreciate our youth being a part of that, and we appreciate them from driving over uh, and being a part of our youth's life and even a part uh, as they're in our service tonight and available to visit with any of us after services. Uh, be sure and make yourself available to them as they make themselves available to you. Wayne was in school at Freed Hardeman the same time that I was in school at Freed Hardeman. And for those of you that have already met him tonight, you know that he is a gentleman of gentlemen. Uh, he is a prince of a fellow, and he didn't become that way in his old age. Uh, he, he was that way at Freed Hardeman. He is a fine, fine man, and we appreciate what he does for youth on a regular basis. He's a vice president at Freed Hardeman and works in the admissions office and does a wonderful job. And of course, uh, Laura is the daughter of the Gammons, and we appreciate her and the work that she does on a daily basis. Keep in mind the prayer cards. The prayer request cards, they were passed out this morning. If you did not receive one, they are on the tables, three different tables throughout uh, the four-year area. Please submit prayer requests that you would like for individuals to pray for over the next 50 days. And those prayed for beginning this coming Saturday, but also throughout the uh, last uh, days of this year and even to the first day of next year. So be sure and complete those. There's also a schedule of Saturday and Sunday as we have a big weekend coming. Make sure that you put in your plans uh, to come as you are, pass through the building as many times as you can and be a part of the prayers that will be offered on the hour, every hour from six in the morning to 10 in the evening. And a reminder, any of you gentlemen reading those prayers, let's meet down front right here at the following services, and we will try to make that meeting very short but very productive. Also, any deacons that are not on the prayer list to pray Saturday, please come down because there's also a couple of things we'd like to cover uh, as it pertains to the prayer, prayer day also. We appreciate the 20-something class and... They're being out and working uh, in the yards and the homes of at least four different families uh, today. It is wonderful to see so many people doing so much, all for the glory of God, and simply because we love God and we love each other. Who is it that taught you how to pray? Do you remember maybe one of those first times that you really started to learn about how to pray or how to say the prayer, or a certain circumstance that surrounded prayer. For me, my earliest memory of prayer is a very easy memory for me to cling to because such it was connected with such a tragedy in my life. At the age of three, I lost my turtle. And you just can't imagine how that could turn life upside down. I loved that little turtle, and I'd play with that little turtle and get that little turtle out and let him crawl across my hand, and I'd watch him crawl across the floor, and, and I'd put water in his little pan, and then I'd put rocks for him to live on if he didn't want to be in the water. That turtle and I interacted frequently, every day. 
many times during the day. And I went in to play with my turtle. He's gone. How could he leave? I lived in a foster home at that time. My mother and father were foster parents. So they went around the house asking each foster child. Ask my sister also. No one knew what happened to the turtle. Trying to calm me and bring peace back into my life, on this Sunday afternoon, my mother, she said, Son, there's only one thing we can do. What's that, Mom? She said, Pray. And so I began to pray. My father had left the home about the time it was found out that the turtle was gone. He didn't know about the prayer. My heavenly father did. While my father was out, he saw one of the high school young men. And he knew that it was a young man that spent a lot of time fishing and hunting. And he said to that high school young man, Hey, next time you see a little turtle out while you're out in the creeks, be sure and pick one up for David. He's pretty distraught about losing his. Now, isn't this interesting? At the same time I'm praying to the Heavenly Father, this young man is saying, well, Roy, I have two turtles at my house right now. I picked up this weekend. Send him over after church. Be glad to give them to him. Can you imagine how proud a little fellow was to that evening not only have one turtle, but to have two turtles? God answers prayers. There's no doubt about it. We've all seen it in our life. And if we've been praying since our youth, we've seen it since our youth. God answers prayers. I did have to learn how to forgive because years later, my sister admitted one that turned my turtle loose. And that was a little bit harder to deal with. But, I look back and I realize that my mother taught me a lot about prayer. My father taught me a lot about prayer. My grandparents taught me so much about prayer. I learned much in prayer in Bible classes and also worship services, and I can still hear some of those men in my mind pray that I grew up hearing them pray. But can you imagine being able to do what the disciples were able to do in a passage that we're about to read, where they wanted to learn more about prayer, and so they just walked up to Jesus and they said these words, Luke the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 1. It came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father in heaven, be your name. When come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us it's interesting as we think about Jesus using this, not afraid from so impossible to understand from one. We see as a father and a child relationship, the father to us. 
That's why we see him as a master and servant relationship. That's why we see him as a leader and a follower. And and go because to understand the fullness of God, we have to see Him from different angles. That's why there's different names of the Almighty when the rock, the refuge, our salvation, and on and on those names go to see God in His fullness. And we can talk about the same thing in understanding Jesus Christ in His fullness as Jesus is called the Christ, the Messiah, the bread, the life, the door, and etc. Each of those show us more and teach us more about Jesus. Tonight, what I want you to see from this passage is that prayer is very similar. If we're going to pray to the Almighty Father in heaven, one-dimensional prayers will never help us to reach the fullness of our prayers. But instead, we see in this model prayer, even though Jesus, in His wisdom of brevity, we see that He prayed several forms of prayer in just a few words. Let's look at those this evening and... If you haven't yet opened your Bible, most of the text tonight will not be on the screen. We'll be going from passage to passage, and some we'll have to turn to rather quickly. But let's think about the forms of prayer, and as we think of these, I'd like for you to put yourself to the test. And when this lesson is over, will you be honest with yourself? Are you really praying these five types of prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? And if not... Will you, before you close your eyes and sleep tonight, will you pray these five forms of prayer? And let's make it a good habit in our life. Let's make this a part of our vital communication to God. All five of these forms. You'll notice he began this prayer by saying, back in verse 2, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He began with adoration. You know, if you just pause and think about what is absent, at least, now we can't speak for private prayers, but if we think about public prayers that are led out of all that we'll study tonight, the form that is probably most often missing is the prayer of adoration or the prayer of praise. Here, Jesus does it by saying, Hallowed is His name. He's set apart. He's holy. He's sanctified. Would you, ladies, if there were two or three ladies sitting around and you were asked to lead prayer, or men, if you were asked to lead prayer, and just before you bowed your head to pray, whoever asked you to say that prayer said, oh, and by the way, we would like for you to pray an entire prayer of praise at this time. Could you do that? Would you know what to say? Many times... And, and we're not trying to, to discourage anyone. We're bringing out a point to make us all think, to make all of us think. You think how many times we're led in public prayer and not many sentences of praise will be a part of that prayer. How well do we do at praising God in our prayers? What would we say in a prayer of praise? Turn with me, Will, to 1 Samuel, the second chapter. 1 Samuel, the second chapter, Hannah gives us a wonderful example of a prayer of praise. And we will read a 1 and 2 of this prayer, and especially notice verse 2. This is 1 Samuel, the second chapter, verse 1 and 2. 
1 Samuel, the second chapter, verse 1 and 2. We'll read 1 to put it in context and we'll concentrate on verse 2. Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Now that's the type of praise also. But notice in verse 2 how this praise is broken down with three phrases. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. Three times her word of praise is is to take God and place Him in a point and a place in life and existence where no one else can be. This is a good little test for you and I to give ourselves so that we can improve in our prayer life and our praise prayer life. How do we praise God? One of the things we can do is think about all of the things that God is and that God does and that God has the power to do that no one else has the power to do. And when we can state the things that only God can do, we're stating praise. Now note, she says, no one is holy like the Lord. Now, we're called in the Scriptures to be holy, but no one is holy like the Lord. The second phrase she said, for there's none besides you. In other words, she's able to say, Lord, I've placed you in a position of my life that's so high, nothing else is parallel with you. Everything is under you, Lord. Now, we need to pause right here and make an important point. Wouldn't it be hypocritical to try to think up these words of praise, but yet they not be true in our life? You see, the truth is, a prayer life is to reveal the heart. A prayer life is from a relationship that is strongly developed with God already. And so Hannah is not sitting around thinking, what would sound good? Hannah is praying her heart. She's revealing the existence of God in her heart. She doesn't believe anybody is holy like God. She doesn't believe anybody holds a position in her life like God does. And finally she says, and there is any rock, or nor is there any rock like our God. Can we say that in our life? Lord, there's no steadfastness. There's no foundation. There's no steadiness in my life like you, God. There's no one else in such a high position in my life. God, you are set apart as the Holy One. I want to challenge you. Spend some time in the book of Psalms. And in that book, notice all of the praise and begin to pray some of those verses of praise. Make sure it's what your heart believes and what you're committed to. And then pray it. Turn, if you will, to Psalms 106 and verse 1. As we see praise, we also notice in the Scriptures that there's something very closely related to praise in the Scriptures. Psalms 106 and verse 1, the first phrase will say, Praise the Lord, with an exclamation point. But then the very next phrase will say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercies endures forever. It's interesting, as we link together in the Scriptures, praise for God, placing Him at a place where no other is, and appreciation or thanksgiving and how they go hand in hand. You see, the reality is, when I think that God is just somebody else, I have then placed myself upon a level that's much higher than where I ought to be, and God is much lower than where He ought to be in our lives. 
And that is the environment that lacks appreciation. There would be some in this room that would not dream of going through a day without thanking God from the depths of their heart for food, for shelter, for clothing, for families that love each other and for friends that are faithful and for a spiritual family that's united. And there might be someone else in this room that you haven't given any thought in the last few weeks or months in your daily prayers for such little things. They're not little. And the only ones of us that would believe they were little were the ones that have taken God and brought Him down in our lives and we've esteemed ourselves much more than what we ought to. You see... The importance of the point as we bring these two subpoints together is this. One of the reasons that I ought to want to grow in my prayer life of praise is because the natural result will be that my prayer life of thanksgiving from a genuine heart of thanksgiving will grow at the same time that I recognize the greatness of God. As we go back to Jesus' prayer in Luke the 11th chapter, we see also that In this prayer, he taught us not only to pray prayers of adoration, but he also talked about intercession as he said the phrase at the end of verse 2, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't it wonderful to have the opportunity to pray for each other? Can you imagine having the access of the ear of the Almighty God, but God saying, I can talk to you about you. You can talk to me about you, but don't ever pray for anyone else. How horrible would that be? Jesus showed us some marvelous examples in the Scriptures where He prayed for other people. As a matter of fact, if you're a believer tonight, He prayed for you. Look in John, the 17th chapter. John, the 17th chapter, is the longest recorded prayer in the Scriptures of Jesus And it's a wonderful example of prayer. And if you are so inclined over these next few weeks to study various prayers in the Scriptures, this is a tremendous prayer to study. And John, the 17th chapter, notice in verse 9 as he's talking about the disciples that are gathered around him on the earth at that time, and especially the apostles. And he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. But now skip down in verse 20, and we're going to see that he also prayed for us believers even today. He says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about those that have gathered around physically before him then, but he says, but also for those who will, future tense, who will believe in me through their word. And then 21, 22, and 23, his prayer is that we would be one just as the Father and him are one. Jesus prayed for you and I to be united on Jesus just as Jesus and the Father are united. He prayed for us. Look with me, if you will, to Luke, the 22nd chapter. To me, in Luke, the 22nd chapter, is one of the most interesting times that Jesus tells someone else, I've been praying for you. And isn't it interesting if Jesus, of course, God in flesh on this earth, if the way He combated Satan, even in the lives of others, was through prayer, 
think how it really can't be any different for you and I either. You remember here in Luke, the 22nd chapter, let's look at verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, put yourself in Peter's place. Jesus looks at you and is already knocking at your door. Of it, Jesus. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, there's repentance. Strengthen your brethren. What did Jesus do? It is. And
other. God about each other. We have so many brothers and You know, it seems that where we may struggle is to ask and to seek and to knock. What is it to pray to God? It's to say, I can't do it myself. Can you imagine how long if you put, just pretend that there were five or six guys riding together on a trip and they were all your real men's men. Can you imagine if five or six guys were in a vehicle and they got lost, how many hundreds of miles they would ride? Have you ever thought about that? Nobody's going to break down and be the wimp that has to ask somebody. Why? Our egos says to the clerk at the store, no, no, I can take care of it myself when we've just spent 15 minutes looking and we still don't know where it is. Why do people not pray to God? They want to ask. That would mean that I'm dependent upon someone. Seek. The Lord says, I just want you to ask. I want you to seek, to diligently search. Do we realize we don't have it all together? The only way we can get through life is to seek out the will of God every day. How diligently are we seeking in the Word? How diligently are we seeking in our hearts so that we can seek Him in prayer? Moses, more than anything, wanted to see the face of God. Exodus, the 33rd chapter, show me thy glory. 
David wanted to see the face of God. Jesus was on this earth, and it was obvious by his life. He wanted to see his Father. He wanted to obey his Father. He wanted to be close to his Father. What is the common thread that runs through the lives of godly people? Godly people are constantly seeking God. That's why godly people want to go to heaven. That's what God is. To dwell for an eternity with God. Godly people's petitions, they have no problem asking because we realize we can't make it without God. We have no problem seeking because we realize that if we don't seek for God, we're already lost and knocking. Let's close this lesson by looking at Luke, the 18th chapter. And I'll mention to you the other two points. Back in the model prayer was another part of the prayer was a prayer of repentance. And then it was a prayer of deliverance. Those are so important. But this evening, Luke the 18th chapter, as we see the prayer of of petition, notice what the Lord says in the 18th chapter in verse 1. Then He spoke a parable to them. Now notice Jesus tells them up front, or here recording Luke it does, He says, this is why He taught this parable. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. What kind of story would Jesus tell us that would urge us to wake up in the morning and pray and go to bed at night and pray and pray at the noontime and then when times get difficult like it was for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane that we studied this morning, instead of losing heart and giving up, He goes there to say, Lord, I just want to have communion with You. Lord, I just want to obey You. Lord, I just want to exalt Your agenda. What is it that causes people to just continue praying and not lose heart? And he tells this story, beginning in verse 2, saying there's a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. You see, she was approaching it honestly. That's what you're supposed to do. You had an adversary in your life, and it was a legal matter. Go to the judge and let the judge handle it. But not all judges were righteous. And this man wasn't righteous, so he wasn't handling the situation right. Verse 4, And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, talking about take care of the matter for the enemy, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. And notice this phrase. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? What's this parable emphasizing? Keep praying. Keep praying. 
The judge isn't listening to me. What are you going to do? The widow lady says, I'm going to ask him again. She comes home. Did he listen to you today? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to be there in the morning. I'm going to ask him again. Lunchtime. Did he listen? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to ask him again. Evening time. I'm going to ask him again. Jesus, what do you want us to learn? He says, listen to what the judge said. Just because she's so persistent, I'm going to finally listen to her. Lord, what's the lesson? I want you to be that persistent in prayer. God's listening. But you just keep being persistent. Don't ever stop praying. And then we know he counts that as faithful because he closes by saying, when Jesus comes again back to collect all of his saved from the earth, notice, will he really find faith on the earth? Do you hear what he's saying? He's asking that kind of faith. That kind of faith where people pray over and over, where they don't give up on God, where they continually petition God. When Jesus comes again, will those kind of people be found? Friends, that's the wake-up call. Let's ask Jesus. We're in a little interview situation here. Jesus, you're looking for those that are faithful when you come back, yes? What's one of the elements of faith that you're looking for when you return? I'm looking for people that are still praying over and over and over. That's it. That's not all there is, but that's it. That's one of the things God's looking for. Tonight, let's pray. Let's pray fervently. Let's pray because our heart is right with God and we simply want to continue that righteous relationship with God. We adore God in our hearts, so we want our words to be words of adoration. We love others, and so we want to take their names before our Father in heaven. We have petitions of our own heart that we want to share with others. At times we have sin that we want to repent of and pray God's forgiveness. And at other times we're simply saying, the Lord, please deliver me from evil. Because we know we can't battle Satan alone. And Ephesians 6 reminds us of that, that as we put on the armor of the Christian, that the last thing you put on, according to Ephesians 6, is prayer. Tonight, there'd be no greater honor for us to pray for our brothers and sisters. It'd be no greater honor for us to see one give their life to Jesus tonight through baptism. Let's leave here a praying people because we're God's people. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.